0: Welcome back to your home inspector training. I am Garth Haslam, also known as the home medic. We've busted up this segment on electrical because there is a lot of information that you need to have here. In the first segment, I talked about the electrical main and uh, items to inspect for, watch out for inside the breaker box. This time around, we're going to talk about issues with electrical plugs and how to cause a fire. And by uh, comparison, of course, how to inspect to prevent your uh, client or the homeowner from causing the fire in their home. This is obviously information you're uh, going to be expected to know. As the home inspector, as I have mentioned before, you are expected to know everything about everything. Yes, you do need to know much about so many subjects. And the list of things that you're expected to know is long and varied. Um, while it is impossible to know everything that you're going to be expected to know, you certainly should be up on your P's and Q's. This uh, podcast will help you get uh, to a first grade level on uh, on the electrical issues. Then, of course, you're going to want to go further using your own research in places like uh, notchi.org. So let's begin. Electrical plugs inspecting them. Um there's a there's a number of items that you can be looking for. Of course you can buy uh very simple tools from even places like Home Depot and Lowe's and they will tell you if you've got a miswire in the form of maybe a hot neutral reverse, open ground, open neutral, uh those sorts of things and those will tell you what's going on as far as some of the more straightforward, simpler fixes. Now, what I found when I started as a home inspector is I uh, was trying to describe what it means when you have, for example, a hot neutral reverse. And I tried using electrical wire, and I actually went out and bought some Romex, and I bought... A, uh, a plug so that I could show them on the backside, but it all felt a little bit technical. What I ended up doing uh, that finally works with clients, and I'm giving this to you so that you can steal it, is I'll use my numbers 2, 3, and 4 fingers on both hands and I will put them together, um, steeple style. So imagine that you can do this with your own hands if you're not driving. Um, Basically, what I tell them is that the pointing finger, the index finger, is hot, your middle finger is neutral, and your fourth finger is ground, and you touch them together, and that is properly wired. And then what I tell them is that if you've got a hot neutral reverse, which happens quite often, then I will actually cross my first two fingers, uh, my index fiddle and the middle index finger and the middle finger, and then I will uh, show them that way what hot neutral reverse means. At that point, they understand that it is a very simple fix. It just needs to be done by somebody who knows what they're doing. I have heard any number of complaints from realtors that uh, they run into a home inspector who gets a hot neutral reverse. And my guess is the home inspector really idea or really has no idea what a hot neutral reverse plug is. So they oversell it and say, okay, you've got an electrical problem. This is huge. You could die, blah, blah, blah. And the deal goes south. Reality is that um, the plug still works. And uh, I've seen people living in homes with hot neutral reverse plugs for twenty years and not be aware of it and not have problems. What I tell people though is that with hot neutral reverse you got one thing going wrong and if you have something else going wrong, i.e. a poorly grounded appliance, then you might start getting people fried just depending on what else is going on. I also mentioned to them that this is uh an easy fix, inexpensive. Um they could do it themselves, they could have a handyman do it, or if they have an electrician that they trust it'll cost, you know, maybe $100 to get that electrician to the door and then $5 to get him to do the wire swap. Then they understand how easy it is. So that is uh definitely the most common of the miswires. Uh I guess if you don't include the ungroundedness, you will often see especially in these older homes uh pre about 1970-ish, I'm I'm going to say that uh, you're going to find where they just didn't do three-strand, hot neutral ground, or maybe they did do three-strand and somebody just decided that the ground wire wasn't important, so they'd cut it off or not hook it up or whatever they did. So quite often you will see that. Now, as far as the danger level of an open ground or an ungrounded electrical plug is concerned, I've heard different things from different individuals. Uh, both of who, uh, I believed, knew what they were doing, but they had radically different opinions. One of them told me and the client that um, that the absence of a grounded electrical plug was a big deal and that it was a big safety issue, et cetera. Uh, the other one says, well, basically the, uh, the ground is just a backup neutral and um, it really wasn't ever important in the first place. The truth I'm sure lies in the middle. My opinion, um the the reality is that the ground really is a backup neutral, but uh, without that backup again, you're one step closer to having things go badly if anything else is going wrong. So that is how I would suggest to you that you identify what's what's happening there. You'll find the electrical plug testers that you get at places like Home Depot will um, will have a ground wire attached. And in these older homes, you may not actually have a, have a three-prong plug. It may actually be the old-style two-prong. If so, you'll want to mention. Um, my thing is that if they want to buy a new home, they are free to buy a new home. If they want to buy an older home, then quite often you get what comes with an older home. Now, the question becomes whether a two-prong plug that has not been modified um, is just welcome to buying 1950. Um, there are a couple of schools of thought out there, and you'll need to decide what you think about that. Um, I believe that you hold the home to the standards of when it was built or last remodeled unless something is just unsafe. If it's unsafe, then it's unsafe, and you write it up that way. So if you believe that um, having a two-prong plug there in the wall is unsafe, then you ride it up that way. For me, yeah, I think it's been long enough that uh, that plug should have been upgraded. Now, quite often what uh, Grandpa will do is he will um, he'll not change the electrical inside the wall, but he will change the faceplate so that it looks like it is grounded. Change the two-prong plug for a three-prong plug. When he does that and he does not change the grounding actually inside the wall. Now you've remodeled that electrical plug and so my rule applies. Uh, You hold the home to the standards when it was last remodeled and when he changed the plug he remodeled that plug. So at that point you can write that up as being a a miswire and um, provide that information in any case to the client so that he knows that he's got uh, an ungrounded plug. Now some of these older homes will have just the two-prong, and you can't plug that, your three-prong plug tester in uh, to the two-prong. So what you're going to want to do, you could do a couple things. One is you could just uh, take a an older plug tester and knock off the the ground, and then you can go ahead and plug it in, and at least it will tell you if there is power. Similarly, what you can do is you can just get a field tester and you plug that in and it will tell you if there is power. It won't tell you if it's reversed or not, but uh, really if you've just got hot and neutral, it doesn't really matter if it's reversed anyway. it uh, It's kind of in and out versus out and in and doesn't matter so much. Once you've got that ground in there, then it matters quite a bit more. So that's uh, that's the open ground you're going to want to be paying attention to. Now, if you've got an open neutral, uh, now we're starting to get a little bit more serious because typically your circuit is going to go from hot to neutral with ground as the backup. If you don't have the neutral, it's going to have to go hot to ground. And again, if anything else is going wrong, now the uh, the human being is is part of the circuit and you get fried. So, yeah, hot open neutral is definitely more of, of an issue. You can have hot ground reverse. I have seen this on some brand new homes where somehow some bonehead wired up the hot wire to where the ground should be and vice versa. And that's just flat out dangerous. Then then whoever uses the circuit is very much liable to be uh, fried. And uh, then, then you start getting phone calls from, from lawyers if the contractor. And if you're the home inspector and you miss it, you're going to get calls from lawyers as well. Uh, these are all items that most standard plug testers should identify. You want to make sure you you write them up. And with something as crazy as hot ground reverse, that is a high-priority safety issue. Sometimes you will run a plug in to the electrical fixture, and you'll get power, and then you won't. And then you si- see that you can kind of shake it a little bit, and you can get uh, cycles of power on, power off. When that, that's the case, you've got a loose connection, and um, if the plug is old, maybe you just replace the plug. If it's new-ish and you can decide what that means, then you uh, just go in and have, well, you you don't do it. You you tell them that they need to have somebody go in and just refresh the connection where the uh, the connection is a little tighter. One of the inspections I did a number of years ago was for a friend of mine, and um uh, She played Frisbee with me, a very good Frisbee player, but she heard that I was a home inspector. And so she called me out to her house. One of the things that she was concerned about was in the basement of her home where there was this grayish, um, blackish streak uh, running vertically from the carpet to the uh, electrical plug. And I looked at that, and I didn't know what it was. And she expected me to know what it was. At the time, I'd only been doing inspections for, I don't know, I'm going to say a year or so. So I I didn't really have a lot of background. Turned out, uh, based on experience, what I came to learn was that you had, that was actually a burn mark. You had the wire get very hot behind that wall, and it got hot enough that it actually started to sizzle the wall uh, the sheetrock. And so that was a sign that we'd had a um, very hot um, electrical line and and it needed to be replaced immediately. I failed her as the home inspector. Please learn from my experience and don't do that yourself. If you've got burn marks near a wall, whether they're coming up from beneath or if, if it looks like they are going towards a an electrical plug, Be very concerned that uh, if there was a burn mark, that's because something was hot. And if something was hot behind the wall, there's a problem. So make sure you you notice that and get that written up for the clients. Quite often, especially uh, in the areas where I live um, and do home inspections, there are a lot of basements. And usually those basements are finished after the home was built, and quite often those basements are finished by the homeowner who's trying to give himself more space for less dollars. So rather than hire a contractor he tries to do everything himself. When that happens, you often get some ugly electrical issues. One of those can be that there is either no cover plate or the electrical or, or the uh the junction box is either too far into the wall or too far out of the wall or it's not attached to um to the studs. Uh, maybe it's dangling on one side, if you've got those sorts of things, uh, that can be a problem because, for example, let's say that he didn't get the top side attached, as you're plugging and unplugging things, you are uh, rotating that box and stressing the electrical lines and the connections to those electrical lines every time something gets plugged in or out. Uh, over time, of course, you can lose the connections. You can have things move and um, and touch each other. Uh, bad things happen. So that sort of thing does need to be mentioned and written up as well in order to take care of your clients. Um, no cover plate. Sometimes that's hard for me to write up because it's a 19-cent fix and it just needs to be done and it's obvious. And anybody who can use a screwdriver... Or, Can put a cover plate on an electrical fixture. Uh, By contrast, however, if you don't write it up, uh, you've got all this exposed electrical that's just ready and waiting there for some child to stick a knife or who knows what. Uh, When I was young, I used a fork to plug into the electrical socket, and that gave me an education. And it may be may have something to do with my current lack of a hairstyle. In any case. Um, you want to make sure that there, whatever is going on at all of those electrical plugs, that there's not a risk of kids getting fried. If you've got a damaged plate, same sort of thing. It's in the same category as not having a plate. And, uh, you know, a kid may stick in whatever he sticks in there just to see what happens, and then he gets fried, and then you're getting that angry 3 a.m. phone call, why didn't you protect me from this? Uh, don't need any of that. Sometimes uh, on the exterior, um, you're going to have a different set of rules. Now, you're you're going to need on the exterior. Obviously, there's wind and rain and snow and and you know blowing dust and all those things. So you can't just have an unprotected electrical plug on the exterior. Uh, those need to be behind some sort of a protective plate. And again. The, it, the the rules can change. If the home was built in 1960 or 70 or whatever, there was no requirement back then for there to be an exterior plate. Uh, for those sorts of homes, it would just be a good idea. For the newer homes, those are required. So in the older ones, uh, you'll want to write that up if it's missing. In the older ones, uh, you'll want to just advise your client that it would be a good idea if. All right. Another item you're going to want to inspect for is wasps inside the exterior walls. I have seen a number of locations where the uh, electrical uh, has the electrical breaker boxes or an electrical main uh, or even an electrical plug uh, becomes a home for wasps. You'll want to make sure that uh, you you tread carefully around those. Uh, That happened to me just the other day. A home had two electrical mains, and as I opened each of those up, there were about half a dozen wasps just staring at me, waiting for me to move the wrong way so that they could come after me. Thankfully, I survived that little moment. But um, you can definitely have wasps in behind there. You're going to want to look especially at uh, behind main boxes and breaker boxes and uh, electrical plugs to make sure that we don't have pathways for wasps to get into the wall. If they do, uh, your client is certainly going to want to know that. And again, if you you bring that up, you're a hero. If you don't bring it up, you're going to get that 3 a.m. phone call. Or perhaps the uh one PM phone call from a lawyer. You don't want either of those. All right, so that's uh, that's the discussion on electrical plugs. We've talked about the exterior plugs, uh, we've talked about miswires, um the burnt wires, the not attached or poorly attached, and uh the, the, the various ways that a miswire can happen as well. I want to cover uh how to cause a fire using the electrical system want to have this on your radar so that you understand what you should be looking for as the home inspector and you live in a home as well. And so you're going to want to watch for these things first off. And we talked about this earlier is if you've got aluminum wire in your home, that was often used back in the late seventies, um, for individual circuits. And if that's going on, that's something that needs to be written up and checked out by a pro. Um, more recently uh since about 2000 the year 2000 we have uh forms of aluminum that are back in style and that actually are approved for for wiring so if the home and it was built after 2000 you got aluminum wiring it's entirely possible that it's fine if you're uh, not certain you can always recommend that it be reviewed by an electrician um But aluminum in an older home is definitely one way to cause a fire, especially if you see that uh, the the aluminum is spliced here and there using crappy splices. Uh, If that's what's going on, that's a great way to cause a fire. You'll want to watch for that as the home inspector. Another great way to cause a fire would be to overload a circuit. If you have a circuit going maybe in an older home... You know, back in about 1920, they considered electricity to be an interesting but not necessarily useful invention. So once they started wiring homes up, they'd do two or three electrical breakers and then they'd maybe run one plug into each of the rooms, figuring that would be more than enough. Of course, any more that is nowhere near enough and we have a lot of demand. But it's still, in many cases, being placed on that same original electrical system, which by now is grossly over-demanded and, of course, grossly unsafe. So another way to cause a fire is to have those overloaded circuits. That can happen in older homes. Sometimes it can happen in even newer homes where you've got one electrical plug in the garage. Now... As of the state and year that I'm recording this, it is allowed by code to have one electrical plug in a garage. I don't think that matches, you know, it may meet code, but to me it does not meet reality. People have freezers out there, they have electrical chargers out there, you know, battery chargers, they have um, tools of all kinds and, you know, who knows what else. So people need more than one electrical plug. Quite often what happens is if you, all you've got is one, then people start chaining um, electrical wires and and extenders together and you end up with a whole bunch of items on, on one plug. At that point, that plug is overloaded and then you can uh, burn the garage down and after the garage burns, the house is next. So... As the home inspector, you will want to mention if you've got a, a garage with one electrical plug, you want to just ask them, you know, do you have woodworking equipment? Do you have a freezer? Do you like to charge batteries out here? Um, and if they do have that sort of, if the only, maybe it's grandma, maybe the only thing she ever does in the garage is park her car and walk in. If so, one one plug may be adequate. If um, I'm... By contrast, you've got somebody who's got a woodworking shop and he's uh and his shop is going to be in the garage or at least part of it. Then we've got an entirely different animal and um we need many more electrical plugs and perhaps multiple circuits for that garage. Um quite often I will see splices. Now, a splice is is basically where you're taking uh, a line and you're running two from it. This often happens with the older knob and tube wiring, but it can pretty much happen with anything. I see where Grandpa had uh, maybe a wire that he found in the garage, and so he cuts it and splices in another wire, which he now uses to go out to the shed or wherever else he's going with this new wire. Um, so you'll have an ugly splice, the connection may be poor, and uh, splices should be done in a junction box, and quite often they're not, so that will be one sign that uh, that it was done by somebody who didn't know what he was doing. But if you see splices going here and there, uh, maybe you'll see different age wiring, different materials, uh, whatever signs that you can find, maybe it's just dangling and you know it hasn't been dangling for 50 years. These are items you're going to want to make sure that you notice and write up as the home inspector. Uh, Knob and tube overloads. And we talked about knob and tube earlier. Pretty much if you've got live knob and tube, it's a problem. And it will be spliced until the cows come home. It will be dangerous. I have never found a knob and tube uh, wired electrical system that was not overspliced and dangerous. I'm sure I never will. If you see the knob and tube going in somebody's house, you definitely need to make it very clear that that is an antiquated and uh, ancient and unsafe sort of system that is, whether you can find it or not directly, it's going to be spliced up and unsafe. Um, In addition, if there's any doubt on the part of any of the parties, the buyer, the seller, the realtor, whatever, you can always refer that to a trusted electrician. Usually, that should be an electrician that the buyer picks as opposed to the seller. seller will quite often have a neighbor who's uh, just wanting to protect the seller, and he will provide opinion that is really more relationship-based rather than electrical-based. Okay, wrong size wiring gauge. If you have, for example, a 30-amp breaker and it's hooked up to a 14-gauge wire, Uh, your two sizes too small and you're going to be putting way too much juice through that wire and there will be problems so um, you'll want to make sure again as the home inspector that you notice what is going on inside the breaker box that you know what a uh, 10 12 and 14 gauge wire looks like and you should know what it corresponds to Um, 12 goes to 20 14 goes to 15 and so on. As as the wire gauge goes uh, up, the diameter goes down, and you, you're just going to have to do your own research on that. I don't think I can paint a picture clear enough via podcast uh, with words so that you can get that clearly. So that'll be one of your assignments. Bottom line, if you got the wrong size wiring gauge, that's a problem. It needs to be... Uh, noticed and, and reported. I mentioned that all splices need to be done inside a junction box. Uh, That, of course, is another one of the items you're going to see. Quite often that happens in attics or in basements or crawl spaces. Again, where Farmer Joe or our occupant, Grandpa Jack, Uh, slides in down there in the crawl space, and he says, okay, I've got this other bedroom. It had one electrical plug. I need to put two or three more in there, or maybe uh, Grandma Pearl was uh, deciding that she didn't want to do the clothesline anymore, and she wants to close the dryer inside her kitchen. So Grandpa Joe goes in the crawl space. He says, all right, what wire am I going to pull juice from? And so he hooks up the brand-new dryer, to a uh, a line that already went to two bedrooms. At this point, you've got a an ugly splice that will certainly not be inside a junction box, and it. it will overload the line. You'll see perhaps burn marks. Um, you can see a lot of signs that we had the, uh, the splice and the electrical wiring done improperly. At that point, take a picture if you can. Put that in your report. Make sure you, you use the proper, the proper words to report that. And then make sure that as you're talking to the client, um, that as you're talking to the client, you use the, uh, the wording that you need to make sure that they are clear, that the electrical system shows signs of having been improperly updated by somebody who did not know what they were doing, and that it needs to be professionally reviewed by somebody who does know what they're doing. Okay, that uh, would finish off the the segments, both of them, on electrical. This is one of the key subjects in home inspections. You need to know these two subjects, uh, the, the information in these two segments very well. You'll want to listen to this a few times and make sure that you've got all this. Um, last thing you want to have, again, is a client who... Uh, you do the inspection and then two weeks later, maybe one of their kids gets fried or whatever. That is not only embarrassing and a career ender, uh, it's going to cost you a bazillion dollars, you know, with legal fees and nobody needs to have the, the guilt associated with knowing that you should have present protected your clients and you did not. So, um, Be careful with this stuff. Make sure... Another thing that I find is that sometimes it's easy to see things and know what's going on, but you don't necessarily provide a clear description of the potential dangers associated with that. Um, This is why I like to have the buyer right there with me the entire time during the inspection. If the only thing the buyer has is a eight word description of maybe an electrical plug maybe it's too far out or maybe it needs a cover plate or maybe we've got wasps behind it or whatever if the only thing they have is that brief description that says okay wasps behind the electrical plug they might not see that uh it may not hit their radar until we actually have little johnny get stung a hundred times by the wasps so it is very helpful To have your buyers right there. They can see which plug has the wasps. They can see wasps fly in and out. They can imagine little Johnny being stung. And then the report is not the only item that makes sure that they're aware. That's actually the secondary item. Now they actually have that in their brain. You know it's in their brain and you can talk about any questions they might have, like how to seal it or how to get the bugs out or whatever their questions are. With you there and them there, you can become uh, very clear with them as to what the issues are and how to address them. It's good to have you on board. Take care of your clients. Go out there. Make me proud.